and welcome to the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Each week, we'll lean in and learn together what it means to live it well. Yeah, and you're going to hear from some amazing inspirational leaders, mentors, and friends that have impacted our life on a personal level. Leaders like John Eldridge. You've got to know your story. What was it I once dreamed of? Suzanne Stabile. Once we can accept our difference, we can find what we hold in common. And Aaron Nequist. We want to be a community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns how to rearrange our lives to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started. On today's episode, we had the incredible honor of chatting with one of our very favorite mentors mm-hmm. on the planet, New York Times bestselling author, Stacy Eldridge. You know, Stacy and her husband, John, have been a guiding light to us throughout our faith journey, and we could not be more excited to share this incredible conversation with you today. John and Stacy are just two of those authors will devour pretty much anything yeah, they write because true. it's always so powerful and speaks right to the heart of where we are and what we need to hear. We chat with Stacy today about her latest project, Defiant Joy, taking hold of our joy, hope, and life in the midst of a hurting world. So no matter where you are right now, driving to work, dropping your kids off at school, maybe you're on a run or just doing chores around the house, our hope is that this conversation encourages you and strengthens you to live it well. Here's Stacy. All right. Well, welcome to the show. We are so honored today to have Stacy Eldridge with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Stacy. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you for having me. Truly. Well, our family has just nothing but loved you and your husband and the work you guys have done. So thank you so much for being a beacon of light and hope and kind of a compass for our family as we've leaned into the projects and the writings you guys have done over the past few years. It's amazing. Well, that is really wonderful to hear. I said honor already, but it truly is really a privilege. Well, we've got a lot to cover today. We've got this exciting book that's about to launch. But before we do that, for our listeners who don't know you yet, would you take a quick minute, a little bit here, and tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, good. Well, I think the most current and important thing for you to know is that I'm a grandmother. Yeah. (laughs) Which I, you know, everything that people say about it is true. This whole thing about, oh my gosh, these these little things, they have captured my heart. I belong to them. I I go by the name Mia for them, which means mine because I am there. So I have two granddaughters and a grandson. So God has given me my girls first in the wives because I have three boys, 29, 27, and 25 now. This happens, by the way. (laughs) They just grow up, huh? (laughs) And then um, beautiful women that they married and um, now grandchildren. So I live in Colorado Springs, lived here for like 28 years. Wow. Um, Tom's and um, married to a fabulous man named John. <laughs> he is fabulous. We're, we love John too. Um, so tell us about Defiant Joy. Well... I just love the title. First yeah, off. Me too. <laughs> There's so something that is required, particularly in the age that we are living in, in our faith, that requires a defiance. Um, we are standing in a world where the current is constantly raging against us. To, to even stand and say, no, there's actually truth. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is takes a defiant stand. And then, and that God is good. 
and that he has good things in store requires requires a knowing of him that he gives us the strength to do it, but it also requires a stance of defiance. So defiant joy is not a book about singing and skipping around the garden. Because <laughs> when I think about joy, I kind of do that. It's like lollipops and unicorns or something. I don't, I don't know. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a sparkler on the front of the cover because it's like, ah! uh, but it's in the dark. You know, it's a sparkler in the dark. And um, it's about knowing a rootedness in Christ, knowing his heart and joy is at the center of his being. Mm-hmm. in such a way that you're not tossed to and fro in the currents of this world, despite what may be going on internally in the world around you or in the greater world. You know, there's always something. Mm-hmm. So it's about standing in defiance against that and holding on to, to truth and goodness. Oh, that's so, so beautiful and so needed. I know I was talking to a, f- a few friends about it and they said, what, what's the title? Defiant Joy? I need that. That was the overwhelming response. Oh, I'm so glad. I need it because we do. It's so huge right now. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so let's talk about the difference between riding the roller coaster of happiness, right? Talk to us a little bit more what kind of joy you're talking about, right? Because we can be happy in a moment. You're talking joy, this this kind of different thought process from happiness. Right. It's a, it's a completely different substance. Yes. And uh, I mean, I, I love happiness happy things going on, good things going on for people that I love. But joy has to be something different because we are to be rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And yet we have a God who is known as the man of sorrows. And, and he says, you're going to have suffering in this world, but take heart. I have overcome this world. Well, how, how do we do that? What is this joy? Well, joy is a whole other substance and it's actually reserved for those that are tapped into the heart of God so that we know his immovable nature in the midst of a a shifting sand of this world. So there has to be something that we're grounded in. And when we are grounded in that, even in the midst of pain or loss, we know that good is coming. We know that life has the final word. And we know that the character of God is not up for grabs based on what's happening on the newsfeed. Amen. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I have a question, though, because, you know, you seem like a naturally joyful person. I'm sure people listening are like, well, that's easy for her. She lives on a mountain in Colorado and she just, you know, has her grandchildren around her. She's just happy all the time. But that's not really the case. You know, you really open up and share in the book vulnerably about dealing with depression and and all kinds of things. Can you share about that a little bit more? Absolutely. I am. I'm not the naturally joyful person, but I do say yay a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But my struggle in life has been with depression. So my bent is not, um, this is the best day of my life, you know. Mm -hmm. So my, my struggle has been to dive deep into the truth that I'm grounded in it, whether or not I wake up in the morning to thank you, God, for this gorgeous day, naturally, like that just suffuses from my heart, or I wake up to, oh, uh, this day is going to be too much for me. And then I have to fight to take my thoughts captive. So I am one that wakes up the other. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up going, yippee, get out of bed. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I am prone to getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so for me to go to invite truth into my 
reality because it's like maybe I'm overwhelmed because there's a thousand million things that need to get right. done. Right, right. And yet, when I, for instance, say, no, Jesus actually is over that and invite him in and reframe it, break agreements even with a spirit of overwhelms, then I can step into the day with the knowledge that whatever comes my way, I'm not doing it alone. And it doesn't have the final say over my life. My identity is not up for grabs, depending on how this day goes, how I do it, Mm -hmm. or what comes my way. So it's been a life of finding my way and rooting deeper and deeper into Christ. So good. good. Well, you shared a little bit before we jumped on. Talk about the process of getting this book out of you and what that was all about and writing it and just the whole process. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> so this book is a little different. And I, when I write, I do write vulnerably. I share stories that are going on in my life. And I think that people know that I'm not one to parade in front of, this woman has it all together. Right. It's more of come alongside. I'm living in the midst of sorrow and suffering and pain with you. And how am I finding my way to the heart of God? So the year that I actually wrote this book was an excruciating year. We um, had, we lost a brother in January. We uh, lost a grandson to a, a miscarriage. It was devastating. We actually had a crisis happen in our ministry that really shook us up. We had uh, our best friend die from cancer after a long battle in the late summer. And in the midst of it, I was in the worst pain that I've had in my entire life. It lasted about a year before I learned that I needed a hip replacement surgery. So for those of you, and there's a lot out there that know what that's like, it was in the midst of that when my world was shaken. And there were some days when I was laying on the ground just sobbing because of the pain. Mm. And and then also the accusation on that, like I wasn't living well in the midst of it. And, you know, just gasoline on the fire. But in in those places of loss, really needed to dive into, is it all lost? What is the hope we hold as Christians? And to really own the truth that Christ is one, the death and suffering do not have the final say, life and love do, and that joy is actually our birthright, even in the midst. So to come to know Christ in a way that doesn't diminish the pain or deny the reality of what we might be living with, but still in the midst of that, to be unshakable, to hold an unwavering faith, that breeds something of gold inside. Absolutely. And I think that'll come across as the readers who are walking through those exact same pieces are going to love that you've come from this place. And this book came out of real life hardships and struggles. They can actually relate to what you've walked through. That's what I want. It's what I want. It's honest. It's authentic. And and it's something that we all need because so the book is done. There it is. I've got a galley in front of me. It's coming out in a little bit. And um and now, last week, the news that my a dear friend of mine's son suddenly died, uh, my son's best friend. And to walk alongside this family who is grieving, really, they're not in denial in any way, they're grieving, and their hope is tethered. Like for them to say, for a person in this raw place to say, it's just for a little while. Yeah. It's just a little while. And then we have all of eternity to climb mountains together. 
play and do all kinds. Of, it's just, it's like the Bible is true. Mm-hmm. The scriptures are true. And to have that, like, really dive into the depths of our souls, to, to know God as and his character and his love as who he says he is, mm-hmm. that changes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some of the most common things that steal our joy. Yes. Okay, so pain, right. obviously. Right. Comparison. I think it was Roosevelt that called that the thief of joy. Yes. And Absolutely. we know it. It really is. It's really a big one. And, and we all know it. And, and everybody's life looks so much better from a distance, you know? Yes. <laughs> Until you get closer. And mm-hmm. then you yeah, they're like, oh, they're actually living this life that I'm living as well. And maybe their struggles are different, but nobody gets, no one gets a free pass. You know, yeah. everybody has their something. Mm-hmm. So comparison, that's something we want to grow out of. Right. Another thief is is feeling really responsible for someone else's well-being. Mm-hmm. And this is tough. And, and you know this as well, that the most things that you learn about God and the reality that the gold is formed in your heart, you learn through suffering. Right. And my prayer was always with my children. You know, I didn't want them to suffer, but then it turned to just let, let it be as little, you know, only what's necessary for the crafting of their souls. But caring another person's well-being is really tough. Like to be okay when someone you love is not okay. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And so I write about that. I talk about like even steps and, and ways to pray to help with that. I love what you said, Stacy. You said, my joy cannot be rooted in another person's well-being. I thought that was so huge. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a pose. Like, Joy is the pose. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like, let's just, I want to sit on it for a second and I want to unpack the comparison side of things. You know, um, there's that, the inner critic that can be debilitating, right? The voice that says what's wrong with you. Everyone has it all together. That's got to be one of the biggest joy killers. And you talk about joy killers, joy stealers in the book, but just sit on comparison a little bit. And maybe even, I mean, I know you shared some stories of yourself or even people maybe you've encountered along the way that have seen comparison almost cripple them. And and how do you come out of that? Oh, man, that can really be a crippling one and a debilitating one. And a lot of times it starts when you're really young. And sentences that are spoken over you by a parent or a coach or a teacher, and which really forms this basis of I'm not enough. And also shame enters in. Mm -hmm. So shame over who I am, because who I am is not enough. Maybe even shame that I cause pain. So the comparison thing, it's really ruthless. Because if you're just looking at yourself, you're never going to be enough. However you define enough. Mm -hmm. Not going to be smart enough or fit enough or pretty enough or successful enough or loved enough or loving enough because we know our inner world. Mm-hmm. We know where we fall short better than anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we don't know other people's world. So we compare our worst with other people's best and we come out losers in that. And I write in the book even about seeing a woman driving a nicer car. You know, she's, she's driving this van and a oh, man, I wanted a van. <laughs> I have young children. I hope I had a man. <laughs> <My> wife, you know. 
<laughs> and that, that's silly, but you just, you know, you look at other people, okay, you know what? I mean, I think it's kind of true that if I was this smaller size, then I would be more worthy as a human mm. being. And so the shift really is a charge from the scriptures of where are you drawing your identity from? Is it from the person handing out the grades? Is it from the boss handing out the promotions? Is it from words spoken over you? Even even by our parents who actually have so much power given to them uh-huh. over us. Or is it from the God of the universe? And that takes determination and maturity and work. Yeah. And it's prayer. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's not all on our own because Jesus is pursuing us every single day of our lives. And he has been, and he wants us to get this so badly mm-hmm. that it's not up to how we perform. It's not up to the list that we meet. This crazy God is massively in love with us in this moment before we attain even things that are good that he wants us to attain. And it's only there. It's only there that, that we're centered in the love of God that we can actually rejoice with people who are rejoicing. Yeah. And not go, oh, dang, I wish that I had that too. <laughs> I'm so glad you have that. And I'm so loved. It really requires that. Mm, that's so good. One of the things that you said in the book that was so helpful for me, Stacy, was you talked about that inner critic and those times where we're tempted to beat ourselves up. Um, And after I read that, I realized how much that happens just naturally. And you say in the book how that is not a holy thing. It feels like that's kind of a form of humility to do that, but it's actually not pleasing to God. And so it's helped me catch myself when I start doing that and go, wait a second, I don't have to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. Talk about how you learned that and how that's played out in your own thought life and heart life. One of the key verses is you shall know them by their fruit. And so you can just take like a thought or an emotion that's going on and run, let it run its course. Mm -hmm. And when we're in uh, a place of judgment and self-accusation or shame, we just spiral down until we (laughs) crash. (laughs) And in that, we are not loving Mm -hmm. people. Right. We're not able to be channels of the love of Christ. We're just... We're focused on ourselves and our failings. Where on the other side of that, maybe we are failing. But when it's a conviction of the Holy Spirit that draws us to repentance, we don't spiral down and crash. We spiral up into a posture of thankfulness. So that's one way that you can know the difference is, is one leads to just isolation and pain and feeling terrible. And the other leads to a more intimacy with Christ. So I think learning that I'm actually not the judge over my own life, and actually there is one, and he has written A-plus over my life already. He's written it in red ink. He's written it in the blood of Jesus. Like, it's done and done. So there are places, critical places, that he is calling me to grow, to repent. And, I, I, you know, all of our lives he's doing that, to grow into becoming a more loving person. But it's a partnership with God, and we're not partnering with Him if we're camped out in shame. Absolutely. So I want to talk about kind of the wrestle between the the God complex or Savior that we can find ourselves trying to become, right? We want to fix the world. We want to help this person. We want to get them out of the depths. We want to 
inject joy. And then there's yeah, that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? And then there's that place of like, no, 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 no. Like, it's not my job to, to do that. It's my job to sit here and try and have joy myself. And so try and talk to me about the balance between trying to put the S on our chest, that we're walking around with our joystick, <laughs> trying to get everybody alive and happy, and then that place of just resting in what's happening in our lives. Oh, that's it. That's really good. I was having a time with my daughter-in-law a couple of weeks ago, and she was just sharing some of the struggles that were going on in her life. And I could see so clearly what she needed to do. <laughs> you know? So I did say, why don't you just let me run your life? Uh-huh. That's great for a mother-in-law. I mean, <laughs> and it's so good. And we just laughed because I know that is the pension. Like I, I'll sub people suffering and think, but if you just, you know, or just let me come alongside and, and it actually, you know, it comes from a good place. You want good for them. You really do. And sometimes it is pretty simple stuff that you see somebody doing and that you just go, wow, just one little tweak. But I think it's more a posture of invitation. And um, I was with some folks recently who are not people of faith. They're a different faith, but they were really going off on Christianity. And and it was, I can't debate you into knowing Jesus, but I can allure you into knowing him. You know, I can entice you because, uh, by seeing in my life a quality that, that you want. So I think there is a place to impart wisdom, particularly when somebody asks. And they do ask. And they ask mostly when you're living a life, growing in maturity, and knowing increased healing yourself. Yeah. But the pressure and the desire to help and come alongside, like, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the you know the heart's good, and you just always always have to go in, going okay. I posture myself as a servant. I think that'll maybe hopefully give me the best outcome. Absolutely. So let's talk about some practical ways we can choose joy and move towards joy in our everyday life. Great. I think one of the key ways is not to run from your life. Mm -hmm. Denial is never going to be the ground for joy. And I think that that's such a common one to think like, I can't have it if this is going on. So just covering it over or just a quick little bandaid of a scripture reference versus owning the reality of what I am living in and inviting Jesus in to bear it with you together. So one of the best ways to pursue joy is to pursue God pursue knowing him as he really is. And, and actually you can start with a prayer. Reveal to me who you are, God. I want to know the real you. And reveal to me who I am because I want to know how you see me. That is the breeding ground for joy. So choosing joy is actually really hard. Mm-hmm. But life is hard. <laughs> You're choosing one thing or the other. Even, you know, I was thinking about it again this morning and I write about this, how it's, it's hard to not buy the pretty thing that you see. And it's hard to be in debt and it's hard to have a painful season in a marriage where you're fighting for it, but it's hard to lose a marriage. Mm -hmm. We are faced with choices every day. And to say, I'm going to choose joy is to say, I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to choose Jesus's banner of love over my life versus allowing anything else to have its say over who I am. Mm, that's so so good. good. So 
What's your hope for this book? What, when somebody picks up this book, what do you hope when they get done? They go, ah, oh, yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I do say it a lot. There you go. <laughs> I want them to be first off affirmed in their life and, and to recognize like that we're in this thing together. And I want them to come to know Jesus in a way that just tethers their hearts more securely to his and to know that joy is actually promised, that they're meant to know it and experience it, that they can have an unwavering hope that's actually true in the life that's coming, because that's actually the anchor of our soul is that like, this, is, is, this isn't actually all it. Mm-hmm. The, the best good, better than we can ever know or imagine is coming. And so for them to know like they're not alone, they're affirmed, that Jesus loves you in the midst, that he sees you, that he doesn't want you to run from your life, but to run to him and to know that goodness is available in this moment and it's available and it's coming in your future. That's so good. I, one of the, the things I love you said in the book is that gratitude is the key to joy. So absolutely. Yes. It unlocks joy. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. This is so cool. I love the way that God made us. So even in our brain, Joy, you cannot experience joy unless there is a posture of thankfulness going on in your heart, mm-hmm. in your mind, in your thoughts. It's, it's actually a physical thing. So that's where that thing to cultivate a heart of thankfulness, where people have said, start a thankful journal or, you know, in prayer, you so often you're just been taught to start with thanking God and thank you for your faithfulness. And then that is the breeding ground that starts the possibility of joy. So, so in order to have a thankful heart, you actually have to remember and cultivate a life of remembering the track record of God, not only throughout history, but in your life. Mm-hmm. And then the scriptures to talk about it, it's true. It helps you to remember, pass it on. You remember, it starts fostering thankfulness and then the joy comes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're like, wow, such so a good, good book. I'm getting it. <laughs> yeah. It's so huge. It's so huge. And I hope people listening right now, I know we all have days, and I hope someone's listening that's had one of those mornings. We all have them, you know, where we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're, everybody's yeah. running late and we're, the kids get out the door and we're griping or whatever. Something yeah. has stolen our joy. And I hope somebody listening that's having one of those days can hear what you're saying and grab a hold of something around them, have eyes to see what they can be grateful for because that brings joy immediately. It immediately restores our joy. It does. It does. And you're right. Yeah. So good. Well, this has been awesome. We're going to jump in. We have some questions we always do here at the end. And so it's a little bit of a lightning round. Are you ready? I don't know. Yeah. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. All right. All right. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what's one piece of advice you would give to the younger you? So, what's a book that's changed your life? The Sacred Romance. Oh, that's a good Um, one. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite author, John Eldridge and Brent Curtis. Do do you want to hear anything about that? Or is just that? Give us a little backstory on that. You had kind of an inside track on the whole thing. I did. And I'm so thankful. God kind of had us on a similar journey. And, and it was during a season where I was learning what the word beloved means, beloved, because I literally thought it was a word used in marriage ceremonies 
and that was it. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. So it was something <laughs> to do with the congregation meeting. And when I began to learn like, oh, oh no, that's actually what God calls us. He calls all of us. He's, we're his beloved. So um, it was happening at the same time as he is pulling back the curtain on this life that we're living in and that we are the beloved of God and that it wasn't up to my performance so this was pulling back the curtain of the world we're living in. There's more going on. I have a story, and God's telling a story. And anyway, the sacred romance. What was the second question? The second question is, what's a habit that's changed your life? Um, a specific prayer in the morning. Ransom Heart has a section on our website for prayers. And there's one that's called the Daily Prayer. And it, it really is a saying out loud and aligning with the full work of Christ, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, and how I am in that, and who the Holy Spirit is, and surrendering to him, and all of it. Like it's whatever form a person takes, this habit of aligning myself with the truth of God first thing in the morning before I check email or get on Facebook. Sometimes I'm having a cup of coffee before I'm doing this, but this, that has changed my life. That's awesome. Wow. I love that. We'll link to that in the yeah, show notes yeah. for sure. It's really good. Okay. And what's one piece of advice you would give to the younger Stacy? Oh, I want her to know it's going to be okay, sweetheart. You don't have to try so hard. Like you're, you're not a failure. And just get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just get to know him. So that That's would be awesome. It. I love that. I think she would love to have heard that. (laughs) I love it. So good. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. We're excited about the book. When does it launch and where can we find it? It is coming out on October 16th and you can get it anywhere at Amazon or Lifeway or Barnes and Noble. Um, You can get it on our website at Ransom Heart. Yeah. Okay, well, it's awesome, and, and I just finished it, and I marked it all up, and, and I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it. So thank you for writing it. And she's walking around with some defiant joy. <laughs> she's got a look on her face, but she's smiling. It's, it's, it's a good mix of all of it. So we absolutely love it. So thank you so much for sharing. We'll link to all this in our show notes so our audience can follow you and look you up on social media and all that jazz. But thank you for your ministry, and thank you for what you're doing and for who you are. Thank you. Can I say it's been a joy? Because it has. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much. much. Thanks. What an incredible conversation. Yeah, I just love her. She's amazing. I just love their heart and what they're doing and the impact they're making around the world. Not just today, but for for years, literally. Yeah, for decades. So, So thankful for them. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode blessed you, and we would love to hear from you. Take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes or come find us on social media. We love hearing how these conversations are speaking directly to you. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, that's a wrap for episode 36, and we're going to close this show out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.